Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Movies with Giros. This is going to be my film podcast. Um, for a very long time, I've wanted to do some sort of podcast, and recently my friends have been pushing me more and more to actually put something out. So, this is what that is. Um, I've kind of tested out doing film reviews. Uh, and posting them on YouTube, you know, in a shorter video format, but I kind of fell off doing that, and I figured this, I figured this is a little bit more sustainable, um, I'm not really going to be editing it in any sort of way, um, there is a video component, you might be watching this on YouTube, I'm also going to try to get it uploaded on SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. There's a website called Anchor that supposedly helps you do that sort of thing. So we'll see how it goes. Um, as for how exactly this podcast will be formatted, um, it's going to differ a little bit week to week. I still haven't hammered out exactly what the schedule is yet either. Um, but for right now, the plan is to go through movies that I have watched recently. Um, and I'm just going to kind of work backwards. So I'll talk about the newest movie I've seen, work back from there, and um, future episodes will probably involve um, specific themes, maybe a genre or director I really like. I'm also going to be trying to have guests come on and talk about the movies that they enjoy. Um, each week it's probably going to be a little bit different. I have some different people in mind later today for uh, this episode. Uh, my buddy Carlos is going to be joining us, I believe, unless he backs out, which is possible because, you know, cowardly. And we'll probably be talking about Fight Club. I'm, I'm watching my mic over here to see if I peek. Um, I'm trying not to peek at all. This is the first time I've done a podcast, you know. I, I've done some streaming stuff in the past, you know, just streaming onto YouTube, but this is the first time I've really experimented with that first time i'm going to experiment with discord and getting someone to call in so let's just hope that it goes smoothly um with all that being said let's dive into it um for those of you that don't know i use a website uh all the time called letterboxd um it's sort of a social media website for um movie reviews so you don't have to write an actual review um, most of it is really just rating the movie, uh, what you think it deserves out of five stars. They do have half stars as well, so it's basically one through ten. And um, I'm kind of just going to be working through that. Every single time I watch a movie, I mark the exact date that I've watched it. I started that at the beginning of 2019, and I'm continuing it on. Um, so not only do I have the movies that I've seen and what I rated them, I have the day that I watch them as well. Um, and it's kind of fun to kind of go back and look at them. And I figure with 2020 starting, uh, why not go back and kind of look at my 2019 films? So without further ado, let me pull up that screen. Um, if you're watching the video component, you'll see I've got my letterbox pulled up here. Um, and I'm just going to go to my, it's called your diary. Haha. And I'm going to talk about the films that I've seen. Um, let's dive into it. The last movie that I saw was called um, Little Women. Saw it three days ago. Um, just came out. The reviews are like stupid high. If I click this, you'll see. Um, 10 out of 10 is the highest rating on Letterboxd. Um, and then 9 out of 10 and 8 out of 10 are the, fir are the, are the second you know, highest rating. And then a pretty sharp you know, fall off for 7 out of 10. So... The distribution is insane. I mean, there's over a thousand people that have reviewed this movie. So I was excited to see it. I saw it with my girlfriend. Um, there's a book that it's based off of. I've never read it, never heard of it before this. Um, and as you can probably see from here, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Um, I was expecting a 9 or a 10, to be honest, because of what I've seen here. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I think sometimes films can get um, overrated. Um, my review of it 
which is very, I mean, most of my reviews on Letterboxd are very simple. They're, you know, usually a paragraph or two, unless it's a movie I really care about, and then I kind of pour my heart and soul out into it. For this movie, I said, um, soft and sweet with some beautiful moments, starts pretty slow, but picks up as it goes. There are no bad guys, and no one ever does anything wrong, really, except for some small relationship hiccups. And it's just a story about good people going through simple troubles, pretty solid. Um, I think that's kind of the perfect way to describe it. It was a weird movie. It started really, really slow. It takes place um, during the Civil War, I believe. Um, it starts really slow. When it first started, me and my girlfriend both kind of thought to ourselves, like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Like, we thought we were watching a 7 out of 10 movie or lower because it's kind of bland. Um, but it picks up as it goes for sure. I'd end it at like a solid 8 out of 10. Um, but it's it's kind of a movie that like your mom would watch, you know, and cry to. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's it's not it's not a movie that appeals a lot to me. I thought like the setting was cool and the characters were cool. Um, but I I prefer movies with really like emotionally complicated characters, dark characters. I like suspenseful, thrilling movies. This movie was very tame, and it was weird because there really were no enemies. There wasn't really a strong antagonist. It was really more of like a man versus life story, where I kind of prefer man versus man or man versus self. Um, no one in this movie does anything wrong except for Til- Timothy Chalamet, which I really like Timothy Chalamet. Um, I didn't, you know, I've heard about him a lot. Um, in recent years, um, I actually own Call Me By Your Name, but I've never seen it. Um, and, and I watched a little bit of that new movie he was in, uh, King, The King. Um, he seems good. I want to see more of him. He's in that upcoming movie, Dune, which I really want to see. Um, I'm actually going to start the book soon for that. Um, I, he's very charismatic. I like him a lot. Um, I never saw Lady Bird. I didn't even know he was in that. And I didn't know he was an interstellar. I've seen that, but I don't recognize him. Um, he's like the only one that kind of does anything wrong in this movie. And by wrong, I really just mean like sometimes he acts like a human being and like makes a mistake here and there. Um, it's all relationship stuff. But besides that, like, you know, there's good people. It's not one of those movies where there's a good character and then later on you find out they're a bad character. So it was fine. Um, it was a good movie, but I, you know, I have no real interest to watch it again. So whatever. Um, next movie on the list, As Above, So Below. I saw this on the third. Um, I hadn't seen this movie since it came out in theaters, but I had remembered a lot of it. Um, it's one of those movies with a really unique setting to it, and a pretty decent concept, to be honest with you. Um, as you can see, I gave it a five out of ten, but I liked it. Um, if you like a movie, I, I use the like feature for two reasons. I either use it if it's like my favorite movie, like a movie that I absolutely love, or I use it for like movies that I know aren't that great, but I still like them a lot. Um, and this is one of those movies. It's not great. It's I gave it a 5 out of 10. It's close to a 6 out of 10, but at the end of the day, I still liked it a lot. Um I described it as a mix of The Descent, Blair Witch Project, National Treasure, and your traditional haunted house horror movie. Um, It's not great, but I love it for some reason. And I'd like to talk about haunted house horror movie, what I mean by that. A lot of movies these days um, do what I call a haunted house setup. I don't know if this is something that other people have called it, but it's just kind of what I have come to call it. Two other movies that I would say do this um, are uh, It. There's one specific scene in It where they kind of actually go to a haunted house. um, And It too does it a little bit. Um, And I'm sure there's tons of other movies that do it as well. But this movie egregiously does it. A haunted house movie is pretty much just what it sounds like. It's when the characters... um, it's almost as if these characters are walking through a haunted house and the scary things that are happening to them aren't necessarily for any rhyme or reason. They don't, you know, they don't really have to match the story all that much. Maybe they're loosely attached to the story. 
um, but they're kind of, oh, let's walk into this room and oh, this scary thing happens. And now we walk into this room and this scary thing happens. It's very different than a movie like Hereditary, um, which I love Hereditary. Um, it's one of my favorite movies and it's my favorite horror movie, hands down, because Hereditary doesn't go for cheap scares at all. Um, I've seen this movie, I think four times actually, um, if not more. And I love it because nothing about it is cheap. It's not a cheap horror movie in any way. And the more times you watch it, the more and more it um, lends credibility to itself. It It is full and full of Easter eggs, interesting things that happen. Um, every time I watch it, I feel like every time I watch it, I pick up on something I didn't pick up on before. And it's crazy because they do it in a way where when you first watch the movie, you are as confused as the characters in the movie. Um, and that is, that is something to be said because, and, and when, when you watch a movie that's like that, sometimes it's not as satisfying the first time around. And this is one of those movies where the first time you watch it, it feels dreadful. Um, and you feel kind of sick to your stomach when you watch it. Um, but you feel so confused that you almost feel robbed of something. And I feel like once you reach the ending and you know what the movie's actually about, and then you go back and you rewatch the movie, it makes itself so much better. It's so much better when you know what's happening. And I think it's really brave that this movie hides those things from the audience, but still plants them within the movie for rewatchability maybe other people picked up on more when they first watched it, but I certainly didn't. And like I said, there's so much in here that I don't feel like you're going to pick up on on your first time around. So this is like the opposite of a haunted house movie. And then you have um, As Above, So Below, which is quite literally a haunted house film. Um, they're just walking from thing to thing. This thing's scary. That thing's scary. None of it's really tied together. Um, and then the movie ends. Um Again, it draws it. It's it's kind of like a less um, thought out version of the descent. Um, it's got the Blair Witch Project hand cam style, and it's got a little bit of National Treasure in there because they're hunting down like a lost thing. Um, it's pretty good. the 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 last like ten minutes kind of suck, and then the last like sixty seconds are awesome. So take that for what you will. Um, I didn't say this at the beginning of the podcast, but there's not going to be any spoilers for any of these films. Um, none of my reviews are spoilers. Um, if there is a spoiler, I'll I'll tell you, and and then you can mute it or skip ahead. Um, I, I'm not trying to deter people from the podcast by by including spoilers and the things that I talk about. Um, good movie, I'd recommend it. Um, I, I'd say up until the last 20 minutes, it's like a six out of ten, and then the ending kind of falls apart, but. What else is new? That's every horror movie, you know what I mean? Speaking of horror movies, I also saw Candyman. Oh, boy. Um, I really wanted to like Candyman. Um, I'll just read my review. I gave it a 2 out of 5, which is a 4 out of 10. I said, I really wanted to rate this movie higher because it's a cool premise, the ghetto boogeyman. But all the themes just felt half-baked to me, and the horror elements were eh. It's an okay mystery, but its ideas of becoming an urban legend just didn't land for me. Um, maybe the upcoming Peel-produced reboot will be able to hit those notes a bit more satisfyingly. This is a weird film. Um, it's 1992, so it's got that like early 90s feel to it. Um, the camera work is decent. Early, movies in the early 90s were just starting to become like artsy, I feel like. They were just starting to explore new ways of modern cinema um films in the 80s are very 80s films in the early 90s are very early 90s um and then as you get into the early 2000s everything gets a little bit more the same i mean early 2000s films are still pretty campy um i feel like nowadays everything is pretty predictable um but anyway Candyman was decent um like i said it's an interesting concept it's the ghetto boogeyman um it touches on themes of urban legends and it's just, I feel like this movie didn't know what it wanted to be. It feels like half of it was trying to be this like introspective um, examination of, 
um, racial tensions and trying to um, examine how, because the main character is a student, a grad student at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And it, she is writing a thesis about urban legends. And so she's examining how a ghetto urban legend comes to be, um, which is a cool idea. And as the movie progresses, it kind of turns into this like becoming an urban legend thing. It turns into a little bit of a horror movie. But the horror moments don't begin until at least halfway through the film. And they're very few and far between. And it's it's not a slasher in any way, shape, or form. And then it kind of turns into this like weird, psychological, dark, twisted movie towards the end. But it's but it's not. It's like halfway there. Um it feels like this movie could have been PG-13 if you, like, cut away from a couple things. I honestly don't even know what it was rated. Um, it was okay. You know what I mean? Like I said, I really wanted it to be better. The reviews are higher than I gave it. Um, like I said, very soon there's going to be a Jordan Peele reboot featuring the same actor to play Candyman. Um, Jordan Peele is just producing it, uh, but it's taking place at UIC I think Jordan Peele has a better reputation of blending societal racial issues with a horror movie. So this seems like a perfect fit for him. It really does. Um, I, I hope that he can hit those notes a little bit better because this just felt scattered to me. It didn't feel like anything really, it, feel, it felt like I was doing too much and none of it really landed. The performances were great all around. The acting was pretty solid, to be honest with you. And that's kind of what kept me in it because it, I was like kind of interested to see where it was going to go because of that. But all in all, it, it was a letdown to me. Um, I wanted it to be better, but um, I've never seen that there's two sequels to it, so maybe those are better. I don't know. I doubt it. Um, whew. Next film was The Curse of La Llorona. One and a half stars. Holy crap. This movie was so boring. Um, it's me and my girlfriend were arguing because I said it was um, part of the Conjuring universe and she said it wasn't. And then we looked it up and sure enough on the, on the posters and stuff, it just says from the producers of the Conjuring. And we're like, okay, you're right. And then like five minutes later, we're watching the movie and one of the characters from the Conjuring series pops up in it. So we're like, oh, I guess I was right. Um, I, you know, I've said this before. Um, Sometimes people ask me, you know, sometimes I'll talk about a bad movie. Um, any movie below a five, anything below a five out of 10 is really hard for most people to gauge. And it wasn't until I started actively watching bad movies that I was able to, to gauge them better. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, one reason is that most people don't watch bad movies. Um, People say to me, oh, why is it that most of the movies you've watched are 7 or 8 or 9 out of 10? It's because people don't watch bad movies. I'm not going to seek out, you know, if I take the time to watch a movie, I'm going to do the research and find out if it's a good movie first. So most people don't watch a lot of bad movies, so they don't really know how to gauge them. They see a movie and they know it's bad, but they don't know how bad. You know, are you? would you really be able to know the difference between a 4 out of 10 and a 3 out of 10? I barely know the difference. It's kind of hard. Um, so, so to watch a bad movie, some people will ask me, well, that's, you know, I'll tell them a movie was bad and they say, oh, let's put that movie on for fun. You know, they'll say, let's, let's put on this bad movie. We'll sit around, we'll make fun of it. That's tricky because what they're talking about is a movie that's so bad. It's good. It's a movie that's so bad. You can laugh at it. It's got cringy stuff in it. Um, it's got bad acting in it. Um, and, and all of those things make it kind of entertaining to watch. You can make fun of it. Um, but some movies are so bad because they're just boring. And a boring movie is not even fun to make fun of. Um, this is one of those movies. It's a movie where... Here's the thing. The Conjuring universe is pretty bad. Um, the Nun isn't very good. The Okay, that, let's, let's run through them real quick and tell you what I think about these movies, okay? The original Conjuring movie, I adored. Um, I originally had it at 8 out of 10. It's a soft 8 out of 10. I rewatched it recently. Um, this is a pretty good movie, though. Um, 
I'd recommend it. It's a good start to the universe. James Wan originally made Saw. He knows what he's doing, right? He also made the Insidious movies, um, or the first two at least. And the first Insidious movie is pretty good. Then The Conjuring 2 came out, and um, I saw this movie in theaters, but I haven't seen it since then. I liked it, but I remember the ending just being way too much. I have it at a 7 out of 10. I don't even know if it deserves that, to be honest. I don't remember the last time I've seen it. Then, oh, Annabelle Creation. Um, another movie I saw in theaters with my buddy Carlos. Um, no, 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 sorry, not this movie. Just Annabelle. Just called Annabelle. Annabelle is trash. The first Annabelle film is no good, dude. Um, Annabelle barely does, because the whole Annabelle story is that a ghost attaches to Annabelle, um, and the ghost is the thing that does everything scary. It's not like Chucky. It's not a doll running around. Um, this movie sucks. Um, it's so boring. Um, there's so many monologues and characters that you just don't care about that are working through their problems. Um, no good. Not a fan of it all. Um, Annabelle Creation was a little bit better. Um, I actually liked this movie, and Annabelle Creation was the first... Um, it was the first Conjuring Universe movie that I saw that gave me a new way to look at this universe because it made me realize that this universe does something. It creates... Most of these movies have a passable plot. It's kind of like the Mission Impossible movies. It's a passable plot line with likable characters. The acting's not trash. The characters are likable. The story is passable. Um, and then you have like a handful of set pieces that are really interesting. It's the same thing as the Mission Impossible movie. They've managed to take that franchise formula and apply it to a horror movie. And what I mean by interesting set pieces is there are scenes in, in this movie and some of the other Conjuring movies that are genuinely great. Um, some of the monster creation and the horror design that I assume comes from James Wan um, are really great. And when I saw this movie in theaters, there were multiple moments that I thought were like genuinely startling and, and creepy and suspenseful. Um, all in all, it's not a great movie. Um, you could probably argue that it's a 6 out of 10, but something about those scenes I, I really enjoyed. Um, so this movie's not terrible. Um, I also saw The Nun. Oh boy, did not like The Nun. The Nun verged, it teetered too much into boring territory. I gave it a, uh, a 5 out of 10. It's very average. But again, there are a couple scenes in The Nun that are genuinely crazy. There's a couple CGI scenes in particular in this movie that are like wild, like really, really interesting. Um, so for that reason, I, I gave it a little bit of a boost, um, but all in all, again, pretty disappointing. So let's bring it back around to La Llorona. La Llorona was so disappointing because the horror moments were bad. Nothing about this movie is scary. The monster, the, the La Llorona, is handled with so little grace and so little subtlety. When she's on screen, she's not covered. It's not mysterious. It's not creepy. Um, it's nothing like The Nun where it's in shadows and it's kind of scary what you do see. It's just boring. It's just a chicken address. And when she shows up, she's got zombie hands. And it's just not interesting. Um, the characters suck. The acting sucks. The... The, the, the exorcism dude sucks. It's just a boring movie. Um, very below average. Um, not on par with the rest of the Conjuring universe. And, uh, you know, the only thing I'd heard about this movie was from a couple people like Red Letter Media, the YouTube channel. And they basically had just forgotten everything that happened in the film. And I don't blame them. It's, it's no good. Um, my girlfriend loves horror movies and even she was turned off by it. So that's got to tell you something, right? Um, the day before that, I watched a great movie um, called Booksmart. Um, here I said it's a hard seven, maybe a soft eight. I'm going to change that. I'm going to edit this review and say it's a hard eight. Um, it, it was great. And it's not very often that I watch a, um, a comedy movie that isn't trash. Comedy movies are really hard to find these days. Um, eight out of ten... I can see the comparisons to Superbad. It's funny, but it 
it's rarely over the top and the runtime is perfect. It's um I think it's like an hour 45. So it doesn't drag itself out. Um it's a lot like super bad the the chick on the right on that cover there is uh I believe she's Jonah Hill's sister which makes sense cuz she's got a lot of his mannerisms in different parts of this film. Um and he's also in super bad. Pretty great. Um like I said it's not over the top. It has female characters and shows the female perspective, but in a way that's at least somewhat accessible. Um, I'm obviously not a woman, so um, for it to touch me in certain ways was, um, I think that's that says something about the film. And it has a lot of genuinely good moments. Like I said, the runtime is really good. At no point in time did it get like really boring. Um, all of these films hit that um, all is lost moment. Um, where everything seems like it's falling apart, the friendship is falling apart, whatever. It's not a spoiler. You know it's going to happen. Um, and usually that's the part where your brain kind of clicks off a little bit and you're waiting for it to pick up again. But in this movie, it, it kept me going all the way through. Um, genuinely funny bits. And um, I really don't have much bad to say about it. I, I, this is a movie I would actually love to see another time. And I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up slapping the like hard on it or even bumping it up to a nine. Um Really, really impressive film. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, that takes us to Us. Um, us is okay. I have it at a 7 out of 10, and I've seen it twice. Um, I saw it once in theaters, and then I rewatched it um, whenever on the first. Um, it was the first movie I watched this year. And um, it's kind of a letdown. I got to be honest with you. I, you know, I, huh, I really liked Get Out. Um, I liked Get Out even more the second time I saw it. Um, I bring up Get Out because if you don't know, it's also directed by and um, produced by Jordan Peele. Um, Get Out, though, Get Out is a movie that deals with racism. Um, it deals with how black people are seen in our society and it takes as jordan peele said it takes something that we all are scared of regardless of race meeting your in-laws and it combines it with a sci-fi twilight zone-esque story that involves racism and the whole movie can be a parallel about racism and it can also stand on its own and it's phenomenal um really solid movie even better the second time around um i loved it i feel like the story itself is really really hard and solid and that's what makes it stand on its own it's because when you watch a movie that's about a societal issue like racism or sexism or or poverty or whatever it is the story itself has to be rock solid in order for the other parts of it to stand credible um, it's why the movie Candyman didn't stick because none of the story was interesting at all, but then it shoehorned in these issues about society and, and racial inequality. And because of that, it felt like half of a message. Get Out is not that. Get Out is a strong movie. Um, and at the end of it, when the cops show up, everyone in the theater gasped. If you've seen the movie, you know what, mo you know what moment I'm talking about. And that gasp is exactly what makes this movie amazing. Because that cop shows up, and instead of everybody being excited that the cops are there, everybody is worried that the cops are there. And that's exactly what the movie's trying to tell you. Um, really, really solid. And then you have Us. And Us is like half of that. Us is about class issues of class inequality instead of race inequality. And the metaphors aren't as solid. The story itself falls apart the more you look into it. And what makes this movie kind of weak is the fact that the film does this thing that I really hate where towards the end of it, um, one of the main characters, one of the main bad guys um, has a scene where they just explain everything. Um, and it's like a flashback montage sequence. And I hate that um, when a character just explains what happened. And when you do that, when you have a scene that is just explaining the backstory, explaining the details and the mechanics of how they came to be and why they're here and exactly what's happening. When you do that, you're presenting your film as bulletproof. Um, 
you're presenting your film as a film like Get Out. A film like Get Out is a story where the more you read into it, the more details it has covered. Granted, it's a little bit more vague, I guess, in the story department, but not really. It's just simpler, I think. It's a simpler story, and therefore there's less loopholes available. For us, the more you look into it, the less sense it makes. And it's almost as if if you cut out that monologue sequence where she explains the mechanics and if she kind of if the movie left more to your imagination as to the backstory of these villains um i feel like it would be better because now that we have the backstory and we know exactly what happened we're able to sit there and think and go well what about this that didn't that doesn't really make sense and this doesn't make sense and how did they do this and how did they get that and and, and the mechanics of it very quickly fall apart. So it's like a half measure between a mysterious movie where your mind fills in the blank and that's what makes it scary and like a sci-fi Twilight Zone film like Get Out where it's not necessarily that scary, but it's it's interesting. It's like a mysterious fantasy film. Um, and on top of that, the scary moments aren't that scary. It's really more of like a thrilling comedy action film. Um, it's not a horror movie in any sense of the word. Very few movies these days actually are. Most of them are thrillers or they're action or whatever. Um, but this movie didn't, it didn't land that hard for me. Um, I, I wanted it to be better, but like I said, it didn't hit that hard. And, um, I, I hope his next film is better. Um, that being said, all of the performance in this is, are, are, are amazing. Um, the, the main actress uh, what is her name? Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Um, she was incredible. Um, both sides of her character were great. Um, if you don't know, the movie's about doppelgangers, evil doppelgangers. So um, everyone kind of had to play the role twice, but her and her doppelganger were fantastic. It's a shame that Oscars never acknowledge horror movies because she should have gotten at least a nomination and she didn't, and that's a crime. Um, but all of the performances all around were phenomenal. Um, the cinematography was great. The The soundtrack was great. Um, it's just the writing wasn't completely there for me. It wasn't that bulletproof, and because of that, the rest of the film kind of lacks a little bit. Um, but all in all, I'm really excited to see what Jordan Peele comes out with in the future. He's only put out two films, and they're both pretty great. Um, I mean, what can be said? You know what I mean? The sky is phenomenal. So um, I have full faith in whatever he puts out in the future. I just wish that Get Out was... Um, I mean, I'm sorry. I wish Us was on the same level as Get Out because I'll be honest with you, like halfway through Us, I was just done with it. You know, and Get Out is a movie that I could rewatch another time and I'd probably sit through the whole thing. Um, so hopefully he's able to keep it up uh, a little bit more in the future. All right, look at that. My voice is getting coarse. I'm going to um, take a quick break. Um, you guys won't notice a break because I'm just going to cut. Um, but in that break, I'm going to take some drink of water. Um, take some drink of water. Jesus Christ. I'm going to take a drink of water. I'm going to um, try to get Carlos on the phone. Um, and we're going to be talking about the movie Fight Club. So don't go anywhere. Like I said, it's just going to be a snap. Um, and I'll be right back. How are you doing? Hello. Just got off work. Nice. Back. Um, we're going to be talking about Fight Club as to Carlos's request. Um, it's obviously a movie that he enjoys. I enjoy it too. Um, Carlos, why did you why did you choose Fight Club? I think, um, I don't know, Fight Club was kind of like one of the first movies that we kind of watched together that actually made me enjoy watching movies um, rather than kind of just a pastime. It actually made me think a little bit more about the story and why, I guess, the director would put a story this way. Yeah. Um, no, I could see that. Like, Fight Club, <clears throat> for, for those that like grew up and like saw Fight Club at like a younger age, it's I, for a lot of people, it's kind of the first movie that you watch that um, is a bit more like intellectual, I guess you could say. Um, but it's kind of disguised as like this like stupid, destructive film, so it's like kind of easier for you to watch when you're younger. Right. Um. um yeah. Go ahead. Did you? Uh, I had just a couple of questions that I wanted to dive in. Um. Uh, just, I guess, regarding the story in general. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing was, why do you think 
then I guess because he's the narrator, right? Yeah. Um, why do you think he never actually revealed his name? That was my biggest thing. Because his name is Tyler Durden. Um, because that's his name, Tyler Durden. Um, for those of you who haven't seen Fight Club, I mean, this is the only movie I'll really be spoiling during the podcast. But for those of you that haven't seen Fight Club, they're both the same person. That's the whole film. I, you know, on screen right now, actually, I have a poster for the film. It's kind of funny because the that little hand holding the soap is so clearly photoshopped in. But, um, yeah, throughout the film the main character never gives out his name because his name is Tyler Durden because that's who he is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I gave this movie a 9 out of 10. I've never actually sit sat down and wrote a review for it, I don't think. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't... What's the last time you've seen Fight Club? I guess I probably Dude, saw it's it actually sometime been a while. in 2019, but... Yeah, it's been a while. It's definitely been a couple of months. I... We saw it a lot when we were in high school, which is why I haven't really watched it much lately. Yeah. Um, um, there's this review that I'd kind of like to talk about. I've seen it on Letterboxd before. I actually have it pulled up and liked, but um, I'll just read the review. It says, first watch, Fight Club is the best movie ever made. Second watch, Fight Club is a deep commentary on the dangers of consumerism. Third watch, Fight Club is a disgusting cesspool of toxic masculinity, and it's not as deep as its fanboys think it is. Fourth watch, Fight Club is a critique of toxic masculinity, and it's deeper than its fanboys think it is. Fifth watch, Fight Club is the best satirical gay rom-com ever made. Um, <laughs> that review actually hits on a lot of stuff, because the film kind of opens up, and it's... It, it's kind of a consumerism for a while, right? Because Tyler Durden's yeah. kind of telling him how, like, none of his shit matters. Right, right. And, like, how he's kind of built this identity around consuming things, like, the things he's bought and, like, the things that he has and the style that he's bought, basically. And, like, yeah. that's what gives him purpose. Um, so it is interesting. That's kind of the first thing that you kind of pick up on. But it wasn't until I read this review that I kind of realized the movie really is a lot about like toxic masculinity because then instead of building an identity around consumerism he builds an identity around like being tough like being a tough guy like have you ever seen yeah, a movie yeah. like that right yeah so i and that's oh god because i i was gonna yeah that's a good point um at first when you really kind of like you said yeah i mean the first watch over is like oh like all he cares about is the stuff or whatever yeah um but yeah after i mean like once he actually starts getting into fights and everything it's very much about like oh like i'm a badass or whatever and yeah i mean tyler durden in his creation is this fucking tough guy or whatever yeah that he that he strives to be sure at the end of the movie yeah it's it's interesting because like like this review says like the first time you watch it it's kind of badass you know and yeah. then and then you watch it and it's like oh he gave up consumerism but then you kind of realize like he can't, he just gave up one vice for another vice you know when you first yeah. watch it it's like oh that's badass like he left behind all of his possessions and now he's just living freely but then you kind of realize like he left all of his possessions but now he's just like you know now he's just absorbed by being like a badass because you kind of watch it and you know he is tyler durden and tyler durden only gives a fuck about being a badass like you know what i mean right he just causes chaos that's all he cares about and that's no way to live your life either so it's kind of an interesting it's kind of interesting to look at it like that because there are i bet there are so many people that just walk away from this movie and they're like damn it's all about being a badass and being in a fight club but then like there are half of the people that watch it that are like oh actually this movie's just about a bunch of ways to be a bad person <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i don't know um, i think um i wanted to touch on that consumerism part first yeah. um i i think that he kind of paints a picture of what the typical person would give a shit about and it's sure you know an apartment full of you know just nice shit just like all the shit that you buy and you just constantly buy shit because i mean i i guess people think more things in general will make you happy yeah um which i i, I don't know i i feel like we've talked about happiness in general in our chat quite a lot mm-hmm. um and even kind of touched on it today um I don't know. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it like like we both said, like it kind of talks about consumerism a while. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess at the core, this is a film about a guy that just like isn't happy at all. You know, he's an insomniac. He he's a deeply disturbed person even before you know that he's Tyler Durden because he's he's the the movie opens with him. He can't sleep, and so he's well. First of all, his job is that he works at an insurance company, and they determine like if if you need to recall like um like if it's more worth it to recall a car or to just let people die and pay the lawsuits, uh, which right. is a real job, but it's very morbid. And then like and then it's about how he has insomnia, so he goes to he goes to help groups for people with like really serious issues and he cries there and that's what helps him sleep so even before even before we learn that he's tyler durden we learn that he's a disturbed individual um and and so i guess at its core the movie kind of is about like being happy and being normal and this is just kind of his journey of like the fucked up things in America, perhaps that like yeah. might might disguise, like might make you think that you're being happy. Because it's funny because even like even later in the movie when he teams up with Tyler Durden and they're on the bus and stuff and and they're looking at advertisements and they're kind of poking fun at it and they're being like, wow, like do you think that guy's happy? You know, it's like an underwear commercial or something yeah, like yeah. that. You know, and and they both kind of snicker at it or whatever. Um, right. And it's kind of just showing you how like you know, being like this toxic man, man, tough guy is really just like a fake way to deal with like a different way of pretending to be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I don't know. I, you know, while we're talking about this movie, um, the, the, um, well, there's so many there's so many properties that have ripped off Fight Club and the Fight Club ending to the point where like it's it's funny because you can't really like if a show or a, or a movie it does a Fight Club thing you can't even compare it to Fight Club because then everyone like knows what the twist is right yeah but this was the first movie I ever saw I don't know if there's a movie that predates this that does that twist but this is the first one I saw um but it's I'm glad we talk about this movie today because um, it's directed by David Fincher, which is one of my top three favorite directors of all time. And David, That's what you're talking, yeah. David Fincher makes movies about crazy people. Um, that's pretty much his niche. Um, very, very rarely does he make a movie about somebody that isn't crazy. Um, other examples of movies that he's made, um, we've got Fight Club, we've got Gone Girl, The Social Network, Seven, zodiac and the game um mm -hmm. girl with the dragon tattoo and benjamin button um a lot of brad pitt actually in there but yeah he makes really really good movies about crazy people one of those movies the social network is actually one of my favorite movies of all time i don't know great if, movie when's the last time great fucking movie network? i yeah it's been a while too it's yeah i think uh i think the last time i saw it was maybe in august or okay. even over the summer. That's not too long ago, I guess. Um, I, social network. When you're crazy person, I guess. What's that? Which, which I mean, David. I mean, what you're saying is director directs about crazy people, but yeah. I wouldn't see social network as a crazy. You know, I mean, other than I guess, you know, the main character, but. Well, that's what I mean. Like, um. It's, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, he might not be, you know, violently crazy, but, yeah. uh, um, or maybe crazy is the wrong word, but he's definitely a off-kilter individual, I guess maybe it's right. a better way to put yeah. it. You know, he's not, he's not a normal guy. It's, it's very much a movie. David Fincher makes movies about people that are like, not only fighting the world around them, but kind of fighting themselves, you know? Yeah. Okay. I see you. Um, and you know i i love that sort of story i was talking about earlier in the podcast like i really love movies where characters are kind of fighting with their own dilemmas at the same time um the social network is such a great movie through and through another great movie from him um is gone girl which which i think i've only seen one time and it's been a I, uh... really it's been a really long time since i've seen it um have you seen gone girl Gone Girl is a fantastic fucking movie. I've seen that maybe, maybe twice, honestly, in yeah. my, yeah, since it's, yeah, I've seen it twice. I, it's not really a movie I see that often. Great story. Fantastic story. 
Gone Girl was a crazy movie because um, it's very rare that I watch a movie where I don't see necessarily the twist coming. But not uh-huh. ju- not just that, the film like the film completely shifts who the main character is like halfway through, which is insane. And apparently, it's actually based on a book, um, and the book does the same thing but i thought it was so interesting the way that the movie completely shifted the way that it was being filmed narrated focusing on a different character oh i Um, remember that yeah yeah i know what you mean it completely shifts from from the husband to the wife like yeah yeah like 40 or 50 percent through through the movie um it becomes almost a different movie and it's about her perspective of things Right. I just thought that was so fascinating. And the way it ends and everything, it's a really, really interesting movie. And um, I don't know, man. Again, it's a movie about, like, like she's crazy, you know? That's the movie, yeah. you know? Um, and he's not really right either. He's kind of an emotionally strange guy as well. So, I don't know. That was a great movie. I would love to rewatch it. Um, I, don't, I don't even remember the last time I've seen it, um, to be honest with you. Uh, that could That could be a solid episode, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah. Talking about that movie. Yeah, I, w- I would love to maybe do an episode um, where I dive into like one or two movies really, really in depth. Um, another great movie. Well, you know, actually Gone Girl, it was written, it was based off of a book, but um, the person that wrote that book also wrote another book that became a really popular series called Sharp Objects. I don't think you ever saw that, right? Is it on Netflix? It's actually an HBO original. No, I never watched it. Um, Sharp Objects is, um, it's only one season long. It's like eight episodes or something. So it's just a mini series. Um, yeah. And it's based off of a book from the same author. Sharp Objects is phenomenal, man. Um, it's starring Amy Adams um, and the, the chick, the redhead chick from It. The, the new okay. the new movies yeah um, yeah they, they play they play the same character the younger and older version um mm-hmm. really really good again it's kind of all about um weird crazy people um but man i would love to maybe i should read one of those books because who's the author of gone girl i want to give gone them credit because that was great um Jillian Flynn. Yeah, I don't know. Look up Jillian Flynn. That was a good author. Um, Jillian. Another fantastic movie from David Fincher, Zodiac. I don't know if you've seen Zodiac. I have. I um. You know what? I I don't think I've actually seen it all the way through. It's a long movie. It's a yeah. It's a long fucking movie. I think um, it's like close to three hours. Wow. Yeah. I've I've seen the majority. I've seen the beginning and the middle a lot, and I. I don't really entirely remember the ending. Okay. That one was on Netflix um, for a while. I don't know if it still is. I think it still is, actually. Yeah. Um, so many great people in that. Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr. are yeah. all in that movie. Um, they're fantastic, man. Jake Gyllenhaal is one of those actors that he is just made for creepy movies you know what i mean dude you know what i saw um what was that movie that that he was in it was a uh, oh, nightcrawler i saw that the other day again yeah i've, been, I, I've yeah, only I've, seen that once it was uh it was really good the second time around yeah um, it's just the way that movie is directed is fantastic yeah I, I i you know that's nightcrawler i was thinking about nightcrawler today actually and nightcrawler is a movie that i could almost see being like a david fincher film that you know, I, I now that you brought it up, I thought I honestly thought he was the one to, to direct it. Cause it's, I mean, it's a movie about a crazy guy, and it's, I you know what, I'd have to rewatch it. I'd really like to dive into that, cause Fincher Fincher does this weird thing where Fincher will make the camera mimic the way that people move, um, to kind of plant you in the story. It's really unique. It's subtle. I would love to rewatch Nightcrawler though. Because he's just, I mean, he's a creepy actor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of the time, he plays kind of a creep in everything that he's in. Uh, at least a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like he, Donnie uh-huh. Darko, um, uh, Enemy. Uh, uh, so, I mean, he's just like kind of an off dude. So. Yeah. But Nightcrawler, yeah, solidified that. Yeah. 
Zodiac's great though, man. I mean, obviously they never caught the killer. The Zodiac killer uh-huh. to this day was never caught, but um, they have some ideas of who did it, and the movie kind of tells you who they think did it. But I, I'd I'd love to rewatch it again. It's so long, but um, there's this one tracking shot in Zodiac where. It's almost as if it's taken from a helicopter, like it's a bird's eye view, and it's mm-hmm. it it's it's hovering directly over this taxi cab and following it perfectly through the city. And David Fincher is known for like using CGI in his movies in a way that doesn't look like CGI to get like these impossible shots. Like you know in the social network how there are those twins? Yeah. There's only one of them in real life. Oh, yeah, I, I looked that up I, after I watched the movie. I was like, are they actually twins? Yeah, um, it's just one guy, and then they use CGI to make him into two different people. Um, and it's seamless. I mean, there's there's no point that you doubt like that they're actually twins. So right. um, it's pretty it's pretty crazy that he's able to do that um, for an entire movie. I mean, those are like main characters. So I don't know, man. I got a lot of respect for Fincher. He hasn't put out a movie since Gone Girl, which was um, six years ago. You had um, didn't you say he was coming out with some new stuff? He apparently is making a um a film for Netflix, um called Mank, M A N K, um and it's going to be about the making of Citizen Kane. Um, Citizen Kane is a is a very old movie. Um, I remember that. It's it's. Citizen Kane is credited as being one of the first, like, great movies. Um, if you watch it now, it's pretty boring. It's from 1941. Um, yeah. Directed by Orson Welles. Yeah. Orson Yeah, I remember watching that in uh, – it was, like, a film class in, okay. in high school. Yeah, see, I've never even seen it. Yeah. It was – I mean, when I watched it – because, I mean, we had to, like, do a whole analysis on it. Yeah. And – um. I mean, obviously, the the whole, I guess, crux of the movie was uh, the Rosebud thing, if you've heard of that. I've heard of it, yeah. Isn't the movie kind of about a guy that, like, um, what is it about? He becomes a bad guy by the end of it, right? Fuck, yeah. He starts it off was, as a good um, guy, and he ends as a bad guy. That's kind of the basic gist of the film. Yeah. Let's see if I can get just a little synopsis on it. Well, um, yeah, I forgot it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen that movie in a really long time. I forget the ending of I it, mean, the, other than just that rosebud. It's uh, the it says newspaper magnate Charles Foster Kane is taken from his mother as a boy and made the ward of a rich industrialist, and as a result, every well-meaning, tyrannical, or self-destructive move he makes for the rest of his life appears in some way to be a reaction to that deeply wounding event. So it's kind of about him being self-destructive and like turning into like an evil guy. A lot yeah. of a lot of shit has been compared to Citizen Kane, like even Breaking Bad and stuff like that, of just like a guy that like slowly becomes evil over the course of a film. Um, mm-hmm. So this upcoming David Fincher movie is about the guy that created Citizen Kane. Um, it seems like there's a lot, I mean, in there about, you know, maybe about like some crazy guy, you know, yeah. um, someone that's not quite right. The only other thing that Fincher has put out besides that is he actually directed um, and produced much of the Mindhunter series on Netflix. I, I know you and uh was it you and Nerm watched the whole thing? Um I'm not sure if Nerm ever watched it, but um Mindhunter season two is really great. The first season's kinda slow, um, but the second season, man, is just killer. It's fucking great. And um and again, that's a show about serial killers. You know, it's a yeah. it's a show where the main guy kind of has his own emotional issues, um, and then he, they're going after people that have deep emotional issues. I'm telling you, man, the atmosphere and the creepiness of that of that show it's very David Fincher. Um, he didn't direct all of it, but he directed a lot of it. And um, if you like any of his other stuff, you might love that show. Like I said, the first season's a little rough; it's a little slow, but um, it's still good. Yeah. And um, they they do interviews with serial killers, real life serial killers, um, and and they actually recreate them as closely as they can because they have actual recordings of these of these interviews because it's it's based on a re- on a true story. Um, the it, the story is basically when the FBI first started to create the term serial killer um, and try to investigate why people would become a serial killer. Um, so it's it's kind of an interesting story. It's right up it's right up David Fincher's alley. I um 
I actually watched, I believe, um, the majority of the first season. And you're right when it's, it, you're right, and it's like kind of slow at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I never, I never got to the second season, so I might, I, I'll probably hit it up again. Honestly, honestly, dude, like you, you, you wouldn't even miss much if you just skipped the rest of the first season and jumped right to the second, because it's okay. not, there's not much of an overarching story. Um, the second season starts to kind of build a story, um, but the second season's great, man, because they do two things. The second season focuses on um, there's one main serial killer that they're trying to hunt throughout the whole season, and then they interview a bunch of serial killers throughout it, and it's a lot more serial killers than the first season. So like you're constantly getting like these really interesting interviews, um, and again they're all based on like the actual guy, so it's pretty crazy. And then they sit down and they talk about the 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 serial killer and they examine them, and um, there's something really fascinating about serial killers, I guess. Like, like I think I think America kind of has an obsession with serial killers. I mean, yeah, there's been a a lot of, I mean, you know, shows like Mindhunter just based on serial killers. I mean, yeah, there's Making a Murderer. That, uh... that was a yeah, big yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Um, that was dude. That was a great show. Yeah, yeah, and that's not even a At serial killer, season. but it's a it's a killer, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's that Ted Bundy miniseries that yeah, like, yeah. Ev- like with, uh... everyone saw, man. Yeah, and that movie with a uh, Zac Efron. Yeah, they both came out like right around the same time. Mm-hmm. And and dude, when that Ted Bundy show came out, like, I don't know if it's just because it's Netflix or if it's because it's a serial killer, but sometimes there's a piece of media that breaks through the public in in such a way, and you always know it when there's memes everywhere about it. Yeah. Like when that Ted Bundy show came out, like there are Ted Bundy memes everywhere. Like you couldn't hop on, like for at least a week, like people were always just making jokes about that guy. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if that's just because of Netflix. I mean, we, I kind of tend to think that Netflix is like starting to die out, but then they keep putting out these originals and it's like, I almost feel like Netflix is like one of the strongest hitters these days. I mean, between Netflix, Hulu and Disney plus, I, I think I probably prefer Netflix. Dude. Yeah. Same. I mean, they just have, a lot more content. I mean, I I don't find myself on Disney Plus that often just because I, I feel like I I've seen all it. that shit. I mean, like, yeah, I I just I've I've seen all that stuff, and it's how many times can I watch it over? You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. It's so cheap, um, and they have like 4K stuff, which is really great. Like for the price, it's it's pretty crazy how much you actually yeah. do get. But yeah, it's like you know I I get streaming platforms mostly for TV shows these days, and. Yeah. The th- I really wanted Disney Plus for all the Marvel stuff, but none of that even comes out till I think 2021. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't think any Marvel shows are coming out in 2020. So it's oh, like, the, like the actual shows, okay. the TV shows, like the Loki show, yeah. the WandaVision, like all of the new stuff that's supposed to come out. Right. Um, it's all a while away, and it's kind of crazy that they didn't like, like they had the Star Wars show, and that had people going for a while. I only watched a couple episodes, and I got bored of it. Mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy they didn't have another like original show to like to come out right when it ended or something you know what i yeah. mean like i feel like everyone's just gonna can't like the only reason i keep it is because like i kind of want to watch through the simpsons i've watched through like two seasons of it but dude i don't know that how it's many wor- fucking episodes are in the simpsons that's what i'm saying like i don't know that it's worth seven bucks a month just to watch the simpsons yeah so i but yeah man i mean like hulu's great for like when you want to watch a TV show that's obscure or something, I guess, or like shark tank or like kitchen nightmares or something. Yeah. But like Netflix is the go-to. I mean, I've been watching the Witcher. I mean, you got house of cards, stranger things. I mean, they, they got a lot of crap on there too, but like when they hit, they hit really hard. Yeah. And it's, actually I mean, just hit, so you just came out and everyone you was, yeah, great. That, you was great. Yeah. That was one of those shows that I was talking about. Again, I don't know if it's just because it's Netflix and everyone has it, but that broke through the memes. I'm seeing memes. I'm still seeing memes about you. So yeah, still seeing them. Yeah. So I feel like people are fine. I mean, it's it's probably gonna die out once people like actually watch it all. You know what I mean? Like the more like it has this ripple effect. I'm sure where people see the memes and it finally pushes them over the edge to watch it, and then they make a meme like two weeks later when they finish or whatever. Yeah. 
But I don't know. I mean, like, like, like I said, they put out a lot of stuff that no one's ever seen before and no one cares about. Like, they put out that movie The King with, like, Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson and no one saw it because it's not that good. Um, yeah. But I mean... Or what, I, Six Underground with Six Ryan Underground. Reynolds? Yeah, exactly. Another bad... Like, that movie had terrible reviews and I don't think anyone cared about it. Um, but then they have, like, really good stuff. So, like, The Irishman came out and, like... That's a Martin yeah. Scorsese film with, like, every famous mobster actor ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. I mean, they're they're not doing too bad. They, they had that Cohen movie, um, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That was pretty good. Um, I don't know. They're, they're doing all right. Uh, the newest Stranger Things season was, like, pretty great. Better than the second. Yeah. Definitely. Ho- House of Cards fell off. <laughs> really hard. Oh, yeah. Fell off hard, dude. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, you, you can't really replace a character, like... Um, what's his face? I forget. Whatever, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'll go as far to say though that the last season that he was in was trash too. Yeah, I I agree with that. You can't, you know what I mean? It's not like you can even just completely put it on that. It's like that show is right. dying already. Mm-hmm. I remember that that season dropped actually um when we were both in Cali visiting Nerm at the same time, and I was staying at at Nerm's house. Um. That that season, the last one with uh with Kevin Spacey had dropped like a couple days before I got there, and 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 I remember that because on our days off, me and Nerm would sit there and we would actually watch a couple episodes, and we just hated it, man. It was so boring. It was bad, yeah. There's like weird sex scenes in it, and it was just it was not good. The um the first two seasons were really good. Yeah, really good. Those were the strongest seasons, yeah. Season and I would say season. Four is decent. The one where he gets shot is pretty good, and there's the reporter. Yeah. The reporter's trying to take him down. I remember mm-hmm. that. That was decent. Uh, other than that, though, it's... I wish they could have ended it, you know, a lot sooner. Yeah, uh, yeah. If they wrapped it up, like, after season four or something, it probably would have been... And, like, that was... I remember people really wanted it to be that way because um, it would it would, fin- it would finish out, like, the card like like playing card metaphor like four right right four which is what back, four, four exactly seasons. i think there's yeah. even, i think there's even 13 episodes in each season which is how many cards are in a suit so like it would have been exactly right. 52 episodes um you know what i wouldn't doubt if that like that might have been their original plan and then maybe it was making so much money that they're like fuck it we'll put out another season yeah uh, god I, damn i wish they just ended it on a high note because because I, I always talk about this, but um, that was – I don't know if you remember, but what House of Cards Season 1 came out a long time ago, man. And and when it first came out, um, that was the first – that okay, that was back in 2013. It, came out it was like one of the first ago. like really good Netflix shows. Well, it was the first streaming show that anyone gave a shit about because back then – this was seven years ago. Streaming was still kind of new. It was it was huh. a little bit more established, but it was still pretty new. Um, and it was all just stuff that you'd seen on other platforms. But that was the first time that I think Netflix really tried to make an original. And they had Kevin Spacey in it, a known actor. Um, and it was the first time that people realized, oh, wow, like these streaming platforms can also make content. And that was a great season of television. And so it was pretty groundbreaking when that came out. It turned a lot of heads um, and it kind of changed the way that people saw content. I mean, it kind of changed everything. Because I was talking to my buddy the other day about how um, movies have turned into more of like an episodic release and TV shows have become like the more narrative heavy stories like it's flipped it used to be the other way around but now you kind of go to the miniseries to go after like the satisfying stories right what was uh what was that miniseries that was on hbo chernobyl that won tons of awards (laughs) yeah yeah i never fuck i never watched that Chernobyl is great, man, and it's it's all based on a true story, so it's like terrifying. But Chernobyl's fantastic, man. You should check it out. It's it's won tons of awards. I wish uh, I wish I watched it when uh, when I was still ripping up your HBO. Man, dude, it's really good. I'm telling you, dude. Like, 
it's crazy. Like I had no idea. Like if they didn't, if they didn't fix it, like they could have like made the entire continent unlivable for like hundreds of years. Like it was a big deal, dude. Like it was like, Damn. like, like a world changing event. Um, and, and like hundreds and hundreds of people died trying to fix it. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, now we live in a world where streaming platforms aren't afraid to put out super long episodes of TV. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to make a long TV show, you'd have to throw it up on TV, you know, actual networks and, and you'd have to worry about get it getting renewed and you'd have to make it open-ended and not satisfying. And, and now there's this, this, this outlet like HBO where you can make sharp objects or Chernobyl or whatever it is. And you can make these really long, complex stories and take your time and, and people respond to it. Like people want to watch that sort of thing. They don't want to watch these 20 minute episodes of things anymore. You know, if a show drops and the episodes are 20 minutes, people are like, this isn't enough content, you know, even right, if you right. drop the whole season at once. So I mean, exactly. you got, I mean, uh, Irishman was like over three hours. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I, 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 I like to think that house of cards kind of started that trend of putting out like long content. Um, yeah, I see that. Way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, you got any final thoughts? I think I'm going to wrap it up soon. If, if you got nothing else. Yeah, you can go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to get going anyway. Um, this is, yeah, this, I like this. This is very much your speed. And <laughs> I think that if you get some, I mean, I, I, Scotty should get on here, obviously. Yeah. Um, this is, this is good. I think this is a good start. Well, thanks for joining, man. Um, I'd, I'd love to have you back. Um, I'll talk yeah. to you later. Sounds good. See ya. All right. See you, man. I got to close the app, figure out how to do that. All right. Well, um, I'm all done. That's going to wrap up today's show. Um, I really appreciate everyone who um, tuned in to my very first episode of movies with Rose. I would love to put one of these out every single week. Uh, maybe even more if I have the time, it's not very editing intensive. So hopefully I can just kind of whip them out. Um, stay tuned. Um, please subscribe to my letterbox. If, if you like this sort of thing, um, every single time I watch a movie, I not only rate the movie out of five stars, but I also will put the day that I've watched it. Um, so if you want, I have 536 movies on here. If you want to figure out what sort of movie I really like, um, what my taste is like, you can sort by um, highest to lowest. You can see exactly how I judge movies and maybe if you feel the same way about them that I do. Um, until then, um, maybe next episode, we can talk about some of my favorite movies or just keep going through the list of what I've seen recently. Um, tune in for the next episode. I really appreciate you guys coming and watching. Um, peace out. Have a good one.